Hey all, thank you for tuning into Women Birders Happy Hour. My name is Hannah. I'm a birder, a woman, and someone that enjoys a good drink after a long day of birding. Women have been integral to birding since it started, but we haven't always been recognized for the contributions and impact we have. Men have dominated the guiding scene, festival circuit, leadership positions, and publications. And according to a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service 2011 report, in the U.S., there were over 47 million birders. The majority of these birders are college-educated, they are white, they are women, and mostly are over the age of 55. And if you put all these factors together, we create the typical birder, a white, college-educated woman over the age of 55. And that's a demographic that I often see out birding, but I don't as frequently see as a speaker, a guide, or a sole publisher. Additionally, the voices of all women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus birders are not well represented in the birding voices we hear from. So I created this show to bring in more voices. Not to say that some of the regular festival keynotes aren't great, but there is room for others. And on the show, I'm asking everyday women from all walks of life to join me to discuss their experiences, their resources, and advice that they have for others. And I want you to remember that just because you may not have experienced some of these things, like sexism or gatekeeping, doesn't mean that they aren't real issues that others face. And because some of these conversations are best had over a cocktail or a mocktail, I also create a unique cocktail for each guest in case you want to mix yourself a drink and join us for this chat. I'm excited to be working with Birds Caribbean for the next few episodes. This nonprofit organization employs many women in a variety of capacities, and they work to raise awareness, conduct science, and collaborate with partners all throughout the Caribbean. Not only is Adrienne an awesome birder, advocate, and scientist, she also recently received an Outstanding Women in STEAM Field Award from the University of Puerto Rico for her contributions to scientific research and education. She has given so much to her students and loves to promote what Puerto Rico has to offer. So Puerto Rican Virio is most commonly found on the island of Puerto Rico. It's a rather dull Virio with a yellow wash over its underside, brownish back, gray throat, and a slight white stripe above its lures. And like other Virios, they have a stout hooked bill. And due to their behavior of flitting around trees, they're most easily located by their song, which is three to four melodious notes. And a mnemonic of their song is Bien Te Veo, which in Spanish means see you well and is a local name for the species. They're non-migratory and are mostly found in the central and western regions of the island. There seem to be more sightings, however, in the east um, in the most recent past, and it's not clear whether it's due to range expansion or because there are more birders out there documenting them. And it could also be due to extreme land changes in Puerto Rico that it's experienced in its history. As of the 1940s, conversion of land to sugarcane and coffee plantations reduced the island's forest cover to just about 6%. But since then, it's increased to 42% of closed canopy forests in Puerto Rico due to socioeconomic changes that's led to the abandonment of those agricultural uses. So... For maybe a variety of reasons, they're seeing more and more of these birds in the eastern part of the island. And on the island, these vireos are found at all elevations and a multitude of different habitat types, from dry and wet forests to mangroves and more. 
and it seems they require some sort of canopy cover and a well-defined understory. And like other vireos, they feed primarily on invertebrates, with some percentage of their diet coming from plant matter like berries and seeds. They breed somewhere from April to August. Their nesting time varies. And if they lose a nest, then they can actually breed up to six times or try to nest six times in a year. Um, And both the male and the female participate in nesting, incubation, and caring for their young. They create open cup nests out of grasses and twigs woven together from spider silk. And it's then covered with vegetation to camouflage it from predators and potential parasites. And they aren't considered threatened. However, they are vulnerable to predation by feral cats and rats and other introduced things onto the island, as well as shiny cowbirds parasitizing their nests. So here's how you make a Puerto Rican vireo. What you need is an ounce of white rum, an ounce of anise-flavored liqueur, half an ounce of agave syrup, and half an ounce of lemon juice and ice. So what you'll do is fill your cocktail shaker with ice, add the liquors, the syrup, and the juice, and shake, shake, shake. Strain it into a glass. And this is based on a common drink in Puerto Rico, and pardon my Spanish, uh, chichito, which is a shot made of a white rum and anise-flavored liqueur. And this adds in uh, the lemon juice to represent the yellow of the bird and is absolutely a beautiful little drink. It's perfect for enjoying at the end of a long, rewarding day of birding in Puerto Rico. So please grab a glass and learn more about Adrian. Well, I am so excited to welcome Adrian here on the Women Birders Happy Hour podcast. Adrian, would you please tell everyone about yourself? Hi, Hannah. Thanks for the invitation. I am Adrian Tosas. I am a Latina ornithologist and conservationist from the Caribbean island of Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in the west coast of this island where I still live. I have a master's and a PhD degree in ecology from the University of Puerto Rico. I have been working as an educator and conservation biologist for the last 20 years, 17 of those as a university professor. During that time, I have also been a member, part of the board of directors, and since 2021, I have been the president of Birds Caribbean, which is an international organization with over a thousand members and partners from 31 countries and territories, working to raise awareness, study, and protect Caribbean biodiversity, especially birds and their habitats. In addition to being a birder, I consider myself an advocate for bird diversity and their habitats. Well, that's awesome. You've done so many cool things. Um, So can you tell me about how you first got started in birding? Well, I, I come from a family that went to traditional careers. So I wasn't aware about birding when I was growing up. And then on my high school years, I knew I liked biology, but I wasn't aware of the different career choices related to ecology. So when I started my studies as an undergraduate, I joined a student organization and it was on my first field trip at the end of that first year that we visited Culebra Island at, at the east coast of Puerto Rico and with a professor that was leading this field trip, I, I was acquainted with the biodiversity and 
this opportunity to work for ecology or conservation. So it has been, I, I was 19 years then and I haven't stopped then. I then started working as a, an assistant, field, uh, field assistant to another project, working with raptors. I did my master's and then worked several years on my PhD with the Puerto Rican burial. Uh, it has been a lot of fun since then. That's awesome. Yeah, you've had so many cool experiences in, in your birding career. So who or what do you think has been the most influential in your birding? Well, it, it was my university professor, starting with that first professor with whom we had that field trip to Culebra, then my first undergraduate mentors, and my dissertation advisors. These were about 10 different mentors and role models through my university years, and all of them were men. I didn't have a single local female birding role model. So when you go out and go birding, um, just, you know, for a day on a Saturday or something like that, what does the day of birding look like for you? Well, I have always done my bird watching as part of my university or research work. So birding days for me are related to data collection. I may be doing bird censuses for a project with students, but always thinking of how the information can be used to promote the conservation of bird populations. But also, I, I want to add that uh, as a typical birth, birding day for me may be very atypical for the rest of the people because I have developed a very deep awareness of, of the birds' presence around me. So even when I am indoors, I keep birding by ear. It is like I am very uh, aware of all the birds in my surroundings, Wherever I go and all day, all day long, from the morning carols to the screech owl singing at night, um, it is something very special. I feel sometimes like the birds are communicating with me because I can't help myself <laughs> being aware of, of the birds around. Um, for instance, when I suddenly hear a West Indian whistling dog outside flying over, but I just heard the sound. I think, oh, here it is. I haven't heard him for a while since the last rainy season, for instance. And when I hear a Puerto Rican vireo in the morning, I think, oh, that's my vireo. I more identify myself like like a slow birder. Are you acquainted with that term? Like you enjoy and appreciate the birds in their natural habitats noting the details of their behavior, for instance, what they're doing, how they interact with each, with each other, the resources they use. And it doesn't matter if it's the same common resident birds all the time. So it's really just infiltrated your life then. It enmeshed itself in you that you just every day now, you hear all the birds as you're doing uh, everything in your life. That's exactly it. <laughs> So, uh, what has been your experience as a woman birder? Well, uh, as I mentioned before, all my role models when I was doing my work, my university work, were men. Um, but I never felt challenged. I always felt supported by by these mentors when I was developing my projects. But of course, there were some difficulties for. 
for instance, I sometimes I felt like at risk because I had to conduct all this field work many times alone, many days in the forest. But of course, at the same time, it was very rewarding for all the wonders I was able to see and what about all that I was able to accomplish on my own. And as a woman birder, then following graduation, being married and raising my children, there were all the kinds of challenges and birding trees, for instance, were reduced for a few years. Well, and I imagine uh, your experience as an academic too, uh, a woman in academia um, could have been, you know, a challenge as well. Definitely. And in that area, I can say it's also isolating because you're the only person working with birds. And there are so few people doing this kind of work in the island of Puerto Rico that you don't have someone to share your experiences. And it's becoming more rare having professors doing this kind of work in the island. My my mentors, for instance, have already retired and you don't see that many other people coming to do this kind of work. But of course, now we have some birders and birding enthusiasts and conservationists that they at least help out in this in this area. Well, and it sounds like as a, you know, being an educator yourself and uh, being a person out in the field, you're being a great role model for other women too. Even if you didn't have those, those women mentors um, when you were getting started, I, you were filling that role for other people. So I think that's amazing and that's really important. So we have all been beginners at some point in time. How do you feel that we can be more supportive of beginner birders? Yes, I work with beginner birders. These are my students. And for these many years, I I always introduce them into bird conservation. They may be interested in following other careers, mostly related to, to health topics like going into medicine or pharmacy, others, others. But when they engage in my bird studies, I always want them to get to know the avian diversity in the island and that helps them understand that we are all responsible for the conservation of these important species. Particularly, we have endemics that are not found anywhere else and as Puerto Ricans, we need to know about those species. Um, I have been working with other graduate students, maybe about 200 of them at this point. And I always teach them how to use the binoculars and and just go for the eat. I always promote the, that simple is better. If they want to engage in birding, they can use low cost equipment. There is no need to spend money on traveling because we have so many amazing birds around, them, around us. So, I recommend that they start birding in their own backyard or wherever they go, just bring the binoculars. And now there are all these new tools available like eBird and Merlin that make birding fun, easier and more accessible to everyone. So I recommend that they use these tools and also the many online resources that are available for free. There are so many webinars and resources that 
were not available like 10 years ago. So for instance, Burst Caribbean has so many resources that we provide on our website. I recommend beginners to also join us, become a member because we have mentors that can help them out and other important programs that they can they can engage in and, and learn more. I have also seen that for beginners, social media has been very helpful. And I have started to see a new generation of birders that are coming out from Instagram, for instance. And I'm very happy to see many more young women birders joining our movement. Yeah, that's great that you all provide so many resources for folks to be able to get involved and engaged. So you work in uh, academia and uh, with research and, you know, with Birds Caribbean. Do you feel that you've found your place in the birding community? That's an interesting question, Hannah. I, I think that's a work in progress, of course. You always need to learn more things and, well, there is so much to do. Being elected as president of Birds Caribbean has given me exciting opportunities to meet many great people to learn from and i realized however we need to work so much more for the conservation of birds and well uh as a birder i and an avian ecologist i will feel satisfied knowing that we are able to provide sustainable solutions for the many threats that birds are facing now and when I, my dream is to go visit all the Caribbean islands and see these bird species, but with populations that are stable and thriving, because as you know, Hannah, we are living in a time when about half of the bird species worldwide are, are declining. So it's disheartening to be a, a birder and knowing these things are happening. Definitely. So what has been your most memorable bird or birding experience? Oh, when, uh, as an Islander, I was only used to see our own resident or visiting species, but you know, we're, Puerto Rico is a small island and we don't have representation of different bird groups here. So when I was in graduate school, I was able to take a, a course on tropical biology. This was a three months long course offered by the Organization of Tropical Studies in Costa Rica. And it was totally eye-opening and life-changing for me. So it was like a very immersive experience in which we visited different ecosystems and worked from different field stations from north to south of the country. Never before I had seen mannequins, toucans, mud moths, and birds, and such a wide variety of raptors, hummingbirds, tanagers, everything. Uh, for instance, in Puerto Rico, we have like well, a very few species of, 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 of woodpecker or hummingbirds, very few, but so many diverse, uh, it was, well, and I even saw the resplendent quetzal, uh, large mixed-species mi mix flocks, wild macaws and parrots in the wild. Maybe you know the Puerto Rican parrot is pretty critically endangered, so 
Puerto Ricans, we don't get to see the parrots in the wild. It's very rare. So this was very, very important for me. And also I was able to see large mammals, which we don't have here in the island, like, like monkeys, sloths, and a diversity of reptiles and amphibians. But, but also talking about memorable experiences, I want to add that being a member of Birds Caribbean, we have a chance to participate in conferences in different islands. So that has been very, very important to me too, because as I mentioned before, we have one species of woodpecker, one of lizard cuckoo, one birio, one parrot, one toady species. But when you visit other islands, you get to see those species, but with some kind of different characteristics that show that they evolved from the same ancestors, but it happened long time ago and now they're different species. So that's very, very interesting and amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, in my last interview with Aaliyah, uh, or with Aaliyah a couple weeks ago, uh, we were talking about all the endemics and I just, I didn't even realize like in the Caribbean, how many endemics there are into these islands. Um, I'm someone that goes on eBird and, you know, I'll click on an island and say, what are my target species on that island? And it'll come up with a list for like 26 species. And it's like, oh, you know, that's, that's not that many birds that I can get on that, that spot. And I guess I, it didn't really click with me that like, well, it's 26 species I'm going to see there, but nowhere else in the world. So I, I think that's really incredible. And uh, that, you know, they're so isolated to these areas and that Birds Caribbean does a great job of trying to highlight how each of these islands are so different from one another. And these birds you can only see there. So uh, where's a place that you think every birder should try to go? Well, definitely, Hannah. All birders should plan a visit to the West Indies. In the Caribbean archipelago, we have so many endemic species, like you mentioned. This is the fifth global hotspot for endemism. We have over 700 bird species and 176 are unique to this region. So imagine how many species you can add to your life list. And in fact, these days there have been some changes to the to the taxonomy and this number is increasing because of some splits to probably 181. So to help connect visitors with local bird guides, Birds Caribbean has established the Caribbean Birding Trail. This is a website with contact information from individual guides or companies, also suggestions for the best birding spots and, and even ecology recommendations. Uh, this program is was created to support a way of earning a living for members of our community and to promote sustainable so tourism. You know, the Caribbean is highly regarded for the beaches and, and, and traditional tourism, but this kind of uh, tourism, going to big resorts and big hotels is responsible for significant habitat losses, uh, coastal sites, mangroves, wetlands that are affecting bird species. So we we intend to promote some kind of sustainable tourism, but of course, come visit us. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a that's a really good point about trying to stick with those local places. And I'm glad you all provide those resources um, to help people plan their trip to come to the Caribbean and, and see what there is to see there. So what changes would you like to see in the birding community? Well, when, when you consider the whole Caribbean as a region, the birding community is really small compared to other countries. And it is because this is a socioeconomically deprived region. Most people have difficulties earning a living. It is not like feasible taking, taking time off to, from, from struggling and complicated daily lives to, to engage in a hobby like birding. And I will say that it is, it is even more complicated for women than men, of course, because of the primary role as caregivers. So as already is emphasized in the Air Force of Birds Caribbean, I wish to, we, our organization keep offering training opportunities for local people to become professional bird guides, for instance, or see more young people find stable jobs that can support their, their lives. And they have enough quality of life that they can engage in birding and take free time to enjoy nature. Uh, I would also like to see more people from all backgrounds and demographics join birding activities like children, elders, people with disabilities too, and more Latino, black and brown birders. I firmly believe that birding is an activity that sensibilizes people to become aware of the urgent need to protect nature. So we need to attract more people into birding. Yeah, I definitely agree. So what has been the most valuable thing that you've learned from birding? Oh, birds open a new world for me. Like I have mentioned before, I'm very grateful for the way birds have let me discover their secret lives and have made me develop a deep curiosity for nature, become more focused and mindful. It is like I've I am able to perceive the world differently from most of the people. But also through the birding world, I have come to know so many amazing people that care for birds too and enjoy life's simple pleasures and nature. It feels like if it were like if I were part of an extended global family. Well, that's beautiful. I really like that. So if folks want to find out more about you and the cool things that you do, how can they do that? I am available in social media, like through my LinkedIn account, Adrian Sosas on Facebook, but also please look for Birds Caribbean. Our website is birdscaribbean.org and we are also present in all major social media, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. We have plenty of resources that people would will, will like to see and, and I invite more people to join us. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was fun to talk with you. Thanks so much for the invitation, Hannah. It has been a pleasure. 
So thank you to Adrian for joining me for this episode. It was just such a joy to talk with you and learn all about the really cool things that you're doing um, in Puerto Rico and beyond. And thank you, you know, for advocating for women in the STEM field. It's amazing. And thank you all for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to me. If you'd like to connect with me on the socials, you can follow me at Hannah Goes Burning on Instagram. My Twitter is at WomenBirdersHH, or you could email me at WomenBirders at gmail.com. I also have resources and information on GoBirdingPodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed this chat, and I look forward to seeing you at the next happy hour.